Good morning and welcome again today. I'm excited to spend a little bit of time with you. My name is Matt and um, I get to kind of start a new series for us, a new teaching series. For the last, the last month or so, Jim's been um, teaching about prayer and, and uh, I just, was, was anybody encouraged by that series? I know that for me it was a really, yeah, you can clap if you want, that's great. Yeah. Um, it was just encouraging. I, I appreciated it even personally and felt like there were some things in my prayer life that, that uh, I was kind of challenged in. And so uh, I hope that, that it was encouraging for you as well. Um, I'm excited about where we're going next. This is a series that I think is really important. And I think that uh, hopefully I can help kind of paint a picture as to why it's so important today. Um, but you can see on the screen, it's called God never said that. God never said that. And so what we're going to be doing is for the next four weeks, kind of looking at a handful of different kind of, um, I guess I would say that they are like cultural belief systems that in some ways have kind of worked their way into some of the things that as Christians, we sometimes can have a tendency to believe. But these are all things that um, don't have a basis in Scripture and are things that God actually never really said. So, for example, next week, the idea that we're talking about next week is um, that God won't give you more than you can handle. Have you heard this before? Do you have it on a coffee mug in your cabinet in your kitchen? Like, that, that's a great sentiment. It, it works really well for posters on your wall or like a nice thing to share on social media. But the reality is, like, that is not something that's actually based in Scripture. That's something that, that is kind of close to some verses, but it's not actually something that is really um, the right way to think about God and who he is and what his character is like. It's, it's a little bit of this, like, pseudo-Christian idea that has made its way into what many Christians do believe. And so I'm not trying to step on your toes by saying that. Like, if that's something that you have, if you have a coffee mug that has that on it, that's okay. Like, you can still keep drinking out of it. Come back next week. We'll tell you what to do with it after that. But, <laughs> but um, in all seriousness, like, I think that it's a really significant issue for us that there are things that for us as Christians in, um, in the West that have, they sound nice, they sound almost even biblical, like they sound really close. Sometimes you may have even ha known Christians who have told you these things, but they are things that are not actually completely based in scripture. And so we're gonna be trying to look at some of those over the next few weeks, trying not to offend you, um, and working hard to do that. This is something that for all of us, we can slip into these kinds of thinkings. The week after that is that uh, we're going to be talking about that the idea that it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you do. And that's another idea that kind of has made its way into even some Christian circles, that, that God's love and forgiveness and grace is so big and so all-encompassing that it doesn't really matter what you do because he's already forgiven you even before you do it. So your lifestyle doesn't really matter because God is still so great and can forgive everything, that your choices don't really matter, that, that the way you live your life doesn't really matter. And that's another thing that we're going to try to address in a couple weeks um, as a concept that, that is important for us to look back at Scripture and at the Word of God to really see what 
it has to say about that. The week after that is the idea that it doesn't matter what you believe. Same thing. It's kind of snuck its way into um, the broader culture for many of us. Uh, kind of this idea that, hey, it really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you hold on to something sincerely. Like, that's kind of the idea that, that is floating around in a lot of places, that, that God will respect your sincerity or your conviction. And so the details don't really matter all that much as long as you, like, hold firmly to whatever belief system it is that you want to hold to. God will recognize, like, your heart in that, and he will respond um, in kind. And Again, like these are nice ideas, and I really, in a lot of ways, would like to tell you that it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter what you believe, and God will never give you more than you can handle. But these are things that have a way of sneaking in and I think can be dangerous because they're not helping us to really understand the character of God. Today, the kind of the idea that I'm going to be sharing with you or talking about Um, is on the screen. So week one, God wants you happy. God wants you happy. Something that, that, like all those other things, has snuck into the way we think about faith, the way we think about God, the way we think about what it is he wants for us, the way we think about what should be important to us. And I I mean, I'm not surprised that this idea has kind of made its way into popular circles. I mean, you can go back even to like the Declaration of Independence. We learned that from the time you're in elementary school. And there's that line in there that even really sounds almost biblical, where it says that uh, we've been endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, and among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So we hear these things and this concept and this idea, and other things in that sentence sound really a lot like God. That same sentence is where we get the uh, everyone is created equal kind of idea, and that absolutely is biblical and has roots in Scripture. But when we get to that last line, I mean, it's the way that it was written by the founders of our country, it almost makes it sound like God has given us this right to pursue happiness maybe over anything else. And, and so we start to kind of think like, maybe that's what God wants for me, is for me to just go after the things that make me happy. And again, like, that's a really good idea. Like, I, I like that. Like, the human side of me likes that concept. That, that what God would want for me is for me to pursue all of the things that make me happiest. I mean, right? Doesn't that sound really appealing? Like, I, like I could sell that. But that's not really in line with the character of God exactly. And I'm going to talk about why that is today. The focus is um, on the screen. It's, kind of, it's the focus for today, but it's also kind of the focus for this whole series. That for us, if we understand God, 
it better helps us move to where he wants us to be. And we say this regularly that we, that we are the kind of church that, that we feel like our, our job as a church is to help people move from wherever they are to where God wants them to be. It's important for us to figure out really where that is that God wants us to be. It's important for us to understand God as much as we possibly can, to understand his character, to understand who he is and what he really cares about so that we can move to that place that he wants us to be. So we're gonna start with point number one. If you wanna fill in a blank, you can do that on uh, your message notes. Point number one is this. For a healthy relationship with God, we need to have accurate expectations. Why is this whole thing such a big deal? Why is it even a big deal if we have some of these ideas? Like, they sound nice. Sometimes they're helpful. It can even encourage us to sit in the morning and drink a cup of coffee and, and be reminded that God wants me to be happy. Like, that's a nice sentiment. Why is this a problem for us to believe some of these things that, uh, to use a phrase I already said, that are maybe a little bit like pseudo-Christianity? Well, here's, here's one of the reasons why, is that um, every relationship um, goes through times of tension and goes through times of struggle. Um, and I think that one of the most common reasons for some of those relationship tensions, relationship struggles, is this uncommunicated and unmet expectations. And so I want you just to think about this. In, in the relationships that you have, often we end up in a point of conflict with, with another person. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's someone you work with. Maybe it's your neighbor. When we have uncommunicated and then unmet expectations, I think this is one of the reasons why often uh, it, it's said that like the first year of marriage is like the hardest year. It's because two people come together who um, think things are going to be really easy and smooth, and they each have kind of their own idea of what it is supposed to be like to be married. And then they come together, and they realize, oh, I thought it was going to be this way, and I thought it was going to be this way. And you're not doing the things I thought you were going to do. And you're not doing the things I thought you were going to do. And it creates this tension and this frustration. And almost, um, if it's not addressed, it can lead to a point of a relationship being severed even. Um, uncommunicated and unmet expectations lead to conflict in relationships over and over and over and over again. And the same thing is true in our relationship with God, is that when we have expectations that God is going to be one thing, and then the situation changes, and God doesn't do the thing we thought he was supposed to do, or he doesn't come through the way we thought he was going to come through, or he doesn't kind of meet our need in the way that we thought he was going to meet our need, it causes this tension, and it causes us to come to a often like a crisis of faith where we say like, well, maybe he's not trustworthy. Maybe I can't believe the things that he says. Sometimes it gets to a point where it's like, I, I don't need this. Like God isn't who he said he was, so I'm out the door. 
people so often walk away from faith and walk away from a relationship with God really on the basis of this, that they thought God was going to do one thing, God did something else, and that must mean that he can't be trusted or that he doesn't exist or, or whatever. And it causes a relationship breakdown. That's why this is so important, is that we have to figure out how to have accurate expectations for who God is, how he acts, what he cares about, what is important to him, so that when we face the moments where everything kind of hits the fan, it doesn't cause the rug to be pulled out from under us. It's just another moment where we can choose to trust him. That's why this stuff is important. Um, so this idea of being happy, that God doesn't want you happy. This is a little bit of like a, a, a tricky way to say this. It's kind of like clickbait just to uh, get your attention a little bit. Um, I actually do fundamentally believe that, that God does desire good things for us. Um, I'm going to share a couple of those things in, in, in a minute. But um, I, I heard Pastor uh, Craig Rochelle talk about the theology of happiness, the theology of happiness. And he had three specific ways that when we decide that we are going to pursue happiness above all else, or that God wants us to pursue happiness above all else. He gave three examples of things that are um, like what it leads to when we have that, that way of thinking. And so I want to share those with you really quickly. The first thing is this. If we are pursuing happiness above all else, if we think that God wants us to be happy above all else, here's what happens in our mind. The things that make us happy must be right. That's a conclusion we come to. And the things that make us unhappy must be wrong. I'll read it again. If God wants me happy above all else, then what makes me happy must be right, and whatever makes me unhappy must be wrong. That's why there's an issue with us believing that God wants our happiness above all else. It can lead to this. And this is not the lens through which God sees our reality. Number two is this, that we start to believe that delay, discomfort, risk, suffering, inconveniences, and obstacles can't possibly be God's will. If something isn't going right, then this must not be God working in my life. And so when we are in, in the frame of mind where we're thinking like, God wants me to be happy above all else, when, when we're living in that place, we start to believe that when delay or discomfort, risk, suffering, inconveniences, obstacles, that, that can't be of God, and it can't be God's will. If something isn't going right, then this must not be God working in my life. And once again, that's not the lens through which God sees our circumstances. The third thing that's a dangerous kind of pitfall of thinking that God wants our happiness above all else is that without knowing it, we begin to worship the false gods of comfort and money and pleasure and things. 
when we believe that God wants our happiness above all else, when we are pursuing happiness above anything else, we start to go after those things that bring us comfort or that, that are uh, pleasurable or money or things. And we know over and over from Scripture that that's not the lens through which God sees our reality. Um, just so you don't think I'm like a total bummer today. <laughs> I just want to make it really clear that God loves you, that God loves me. And not only that, he is a good, good father. If you've even been here for like a month, you've heard us sing this song about um, God being a good, good father. We, we get that straight from scripture that, that we can read um, in Matthew about how uh, God is a good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. What I don't want you to hear me say today is that God is looking down at us and saying like, you know what, like you live in a broken world, suck it up, it's gonna be rough. Like, <laughs> don't know what to tell you. I don't believe that about God. I, I ultimately believe that scripture tells us that God is a God who loves his children immensely. That God wants us to experience the abundant life, even, even here and now. Jesus says, I, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. I believe that, that God wants us to have peace and to experience peace, that he wants us to have joy, and that God wants us to have access to him. Those are all things that are straight from the pages of scripture that we can hang our hope on, that God is a God who wants good things for us. And so today, I don't want you to hear me say, God is this God who doesn't want good things in your life, and you just need to be like content in your garbage. I want you to hear me say this today. You can tweet that out. It's a good... <laughs> I, I want you to hear me say this today, that God loves you so much, but when you choose to pursue your happiness over anything else, it takes you outside of the place where God wants you to be. And that's the problem with it today. Point, point number two is this. There's a couple specific places that I really believe scripture even tells us God does not prioritize our happiness. One place that God does not want us happy is when it causes us to do something wrong or unwise. I have this sweet, loving, adorable little four-year-old son who I love, and he is in our household. He is like the encourager of everybody else. He says amazing things. He tells his mom how much uh, he loves her cooking like every day. He tells me when I'm doing a great job at stuff and um, even things like, your, Dad, your, your driving is great. And even, when, <laughs> even when it's not, like, he just wants to encourage. I love this child. But he also is the hardest one of like our whole bunch. In the last two weeks, 
two weeks ago, he decided he was going to take a river rock out of our yard and just throw them and, and throw them all over the place and shattered our basement window with a rock. And that sweet little boy, I went and asked him, I said, what are you doing? Oh, it's just fun. I like to throw. And I thought, I get that because I also like to throw rocks and breaking glass is also fun. Like, it, like there is a happiness that I can see you trying to go after. But my dear sweet son, I don't want your happiness at the expense of my basement window. Like, I want you to experience good and happy and, and joyful things in your life, but not when it causes you to do something wrong or unwise. Like, a week later, he found a pair of scissors and cut a big chunk out of his hair, <laughs> like, right in the top, like, front, completely... It, it was impossible to, like, fix it, and so now his haircut is similar to my haircut. <laughs> and, and again, his response was, he, I just thought it would be fun. I was like, son, my dear, sweet, precious son, your fun and your happiness should not come at, at the expense of, like, your nice-looking haircut. God doesn't want us to prioritize our happiness when it causes us to do something wrong or unwise. And so I give you a couple funny examples, but the reality is we all do this to a level that is way deeper and more significant. That this very thing is the thing that causes us to step into sin so frequently. It's the thing that causes us to step into decisions that we regret because we hold up the idea of our happiness as the highest priority, even when it causes us to do something wrong or unwise. And can I tell you today that that is not God's desire for you. It is not his desire for you to pursue your happiness when it comes at the expense of the things he's already told you he wants you to live by. It's this thing that causes us to step into places of like, I'm not happy or fulfilled in my marriage, and so I'm going to cheat on my spouse. Or I'm, I'm not having my needs met, and so I'm going to look at pornography. This is the very thing that causes us to step down the road uh, into addiction often, that we prioritize our happiness, even short-term happiness, above all else. And we step into it and use that as the justification for making wrong or unwise choices. And church, that is not how God intends for it to be. God does not want us happy when it causes us to do something wrong or unwise. God does not want us happy when it is only based on things of this world. When it is only based on things of this world. 
We read regularly through scripture, there are, there are multiple places where you can read about um, the, the pitfalls of things like materialism and going after the things of this world. And I'll tell you, like, I struggle with this one a lot because there's a lot of ways that this idea can subtly like creep into um, just kind of my everyday life. I don't know what it is for you. I think we all have this on some level. I would say some things for me, like uh, technology is one of these things for me. And so uh, I often look to like, I, I like to, to have new technology. So if like my phone or my computer is more than like seven minutes old, I convince myself sometimes like, I'm just unhappy with this phone. It's just such a source of frustration. Like, I would be so much happier if I had a new phone. You're laughing because you do it too, huh? <laughs> I'm at this place in life where um, I'm 35 right now. And so, like, through my 20s, I feel like uh, my peer group was all like working really hard and like starting some new businesses, starting in their careers. And so they were all, some of them were still like in school. They were all like mostly the same level of poor that I was. Like we were all just kind of in this same, like we're young, we're all kind of paying off debt, trying to like get out of school, trying to start things. And, and so I'm at this point now that it's been like for a lot of my peer group, it's, it's been like, 10 years, 15 years, 12 years, somewhere in there, that people have been working hard and like busting it to, to build careers and, and that kind of thing. And so what's happening now is I'm recognizing that there are moments in my life like when I go and drop my kids off at school and I look into the parking spot next to me and a buddy of mine or someone I went to high school with like pulls in in like a $40,000 truck. And I think... This 12-year-old minivan <laughs> is not making me happy right now. <laughs> I keep having kids, and so I have to have it. <laughs> like, but, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of times that I'm thinking, like, that truck would make me happy. <laughs> I think it would. Like, I fall into this thing where, where I want to prioritize like my happiness above all this other stuff. And I look at these things. The, our culture and our world tells us like newer, faster, shinier is worth going after. Like that will make you happier. We convince ourselves of the opposite, like the older, the dustier, the slower, like those things, they're, they're sucking my happiness away. And I need something to like flip the switch. But we go after these things. We, we prioritize often like our happiness from things of this world over our relationships sometimes. We prioritize it over our relationship with God, over our trust in God. I get, I, I start thinking about those things and then it's usually when I have like those thoughts that I end up going to scripture and 
and uh, I, I, God put something in front of me, like First um, John two fifteen, that says, "Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them." I feel like I need that, like on a post-it note in the windshield of my van, <laughs> or as the home screen on my phone. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. God does not want us happy when it comes at the price of us prioritizing things of this world above all else. So what do we do? I mean, I, I told you earlier that I really believe that God is a God who loves us, who loves to give us good gifts, who loves to provide us with things like joy and peace, and yes, sometimes even happiness. But it feels like there's a tension. Point number three is that the pursuit of Jesus should be our highest priority. The pursuit of Jesus should be our highest priority. More than anything else today, I want to say this, that, that we have a tendency to prioritize our pursuit of our happiness over anything else, and that is not the way of a follower of Jesus. That is not something that, that comes from Scripture. That is not something that he has intended for us. What he has intended for us as followers of Jesus is to prioritize our pursuit of him and him alone above everything else. I don't get this right every day. But I wanna, I wanna think that I am getting this right more than I was getting this right last year. The pursuit of Jesus should be our highest priority. And when we do that, when we are living in that place where our pursuit of Jesus is a higher priority than anything else, it leads us to places where, where God wants to provide for our needs, where God wants to provide some of those things like joy and peace. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spends a bunch of time talking about um, how we're supposed to live and, and how we're supposed to respond to the situations in life, how we're supposed to think about the law, how we're supposed to shape our lives as followers of him. And he gets through this section in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter six where he's talking about what our relationship should be to money and possessions and how we should think about those things and how they should not be a thing that occupies all of our time and attention. And he gets to the end of this section, and this is what he says in Matthew 6, 31 and 33. He says, so don't worry about these things, saying what will we eat or what will we drink, what will we wear, what truck will we drive? A <laughs> little bit of like adding in some things. He says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. He's saying, if, if your life is occupied with prioritizing even things like 
what you're eating and what you're wearing and what you're going to post on Instagram and what we're drinking, what you're wearing, like all of that stuff, if that is the highest priority, that's what unbelievers do. That is not what followers of Jesus do. A follower of Jesus is this, someone who knows that the Heavenly Father already knows all of our needs. He says this, and this is the key line, to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Our happiness should not be the ultimate priority for us. That is not what God has in mind for us. Seeking the kingdom of God for first is the highest priority that God has in mind for us. And what he tells us is that as we do that, he provides for our needs. He takes care of us. He meets us where we're at. I wrote this down because I, I think it's important and I didn't want to just try to like summarize it. I wanted to read it. That as I look at scripture and as I look at the character of God and who he is and what is important to him, I believe these things, that God desires for us to be in a substantial, consistent, dependent, obedient relationship with him. The reality is that in the middle of that relationship, we will experience times of joy and even happiness. And in the middle of that relationship, we will experience times of sorrow and pain. Our happiness, or lack thereof, is not the measurement by which to assess God's love for us or his presence in our lives. Our happiness is not the measurement by which to assess God's love for us or his presence in our lives. The reason why this is so dangerous to think that God wants our happiness above all else is that when we go through times where we're not experiencing happiness, it causes us to use those times to assess God's love for us. And that is not what God's word says about him. In 1 Peter, it says, since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him. Think of your sufferings as a weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. Then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. This is from the message translation, and I don't always use that, but I think that this is a, a, a really good spot to use this translation or this, this version. I like especially that last line, that when we start to think, when we learn to think like Jesus, when we think about our sufferings as a way of helping to move us from a place where we had habits of always expecting to get our own way, at that point, we'll be able to live out our days free to pursue what God wants, to move closer to where God wants us to be instead of being tyrannized, instead of being held captive, instead of being in chains 
by the things that we want that so often drive and motivate us. What I want you to hear today is that your, your life is going to be full of ups and downs. And especially if you are new to this whole faith thing and this Christianity thing and this Jesus thing, I need you to hear clearly that your happiness in your circumstances, your, your life situations, God's highest priority for you is not necessarily your happiness, but, but God loves you with an intense love. Your circumstances and your situation and your happiness is not the measurement by which to assess uh, God's love for you. The thing to assess God's love for you is that he sent Jesus to a cross to pay for your sins. And so whether you're in a, in a season of happiness or in a season of sorrow and pain, you have a God who loves you immensely and who wants good things for you and is ready to walk with you through your situations and your circumstances whether they are seasons of happiness and joy or they are seasons of sorrow and pain. John 16, 33 says this. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The pursuit of our own happiness should not be our highest priority as followers of Jesus. Our highest priority should be our pursuit of him. And in that, he will provide everything that we need. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the things that you provide for us. God, would you help us to be developing accurate, understandings of who you are and what you want and what's important to you. God, would you shape us and mold us? Would you prepare us for the times that will be difficult? Would you surprise us with times that are, are filled with joy? God, it is a privilege to be a part of your family. I'm thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Would you help us to continue to look at that as a measurement of how much you love us? It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.